Amen. Thank you, ladies. What a great reminder that Christ died for you. John chapter 12 this morning. John chapter 12. We're going to continue with our Portraits of Christ series. But I've skipped ahead a few chapters to talk about the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, it is Jesus, the King of Israel. Jesus, the King of Israel. I bring greetings from Pastor Rutherford and Pastor Connor and Pastor Epp, and they all say hi to Bethel Baptist Church. And we look forward to, of course, having Pastor Connor and his wife here this November for our anniversary services. And they're looking forward to it as well. It'll be a great time. And uh, we had a good men's retreat and enjoyed it so much. The fellowship there, there was about 15 churches represented, 70 men. And uh, we had a really good time together. And then on Sunday at the Greater Vancouver Baptist Church, and uh, Greater Vancouver Baptist Church is just a going concern for the Lord. And it's exciting to see the church is about 90 to 95% Filipino folks. But they love to sing and they love fellowship. And so after a service, you say dismissed and nobody moves. They just turn and start talking. And for the next hour, that's what they'll do. They won't, they'll maybe get up and move to another seat and talk to other people. But for an hour, you, you just can't close the church down. Praise the Lord. And it's a lot of fun. And so uh, we had a good time there, and they send all their greetings. And we look forward to seeing the Connors. And I'm, I've been talking to Pastor Rutherford about coming home next year and doing one of our, um, I'm praying about the, the anniversary services that he and his wife would come. It's been a long time since they've been home. And uh, we want to be a blessing to them and bring them home and give them a little break from the ministry there, but also to hear what God is doing in their church. And so we're excited about that as well. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. You know, this is the most important week in the history of the world. It really is, historically speaking. 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, would ride triumphantly into Jerusalem. He would present Himself as the King of Israel. Later that week, of course, He would be crucified on the cross of Calvary and be buried and rise again triumphant over death and hell. And so we give thanks and praise to the Lord for this week and what it means to us. You understand, without this week, there would be no Christianity. There would be no salvation. If Christ were dead, our preaching of the resurrection would be in vain. And so we thank the Lord and praise Him today for what He has done. Upon His entry into Jerusalem, the people would take branches of palms and lay them before His path and cry out, Hosanna! Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so we'll look at that this morning in John chapter 12 and verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet Him and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And, when, and Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. The people, therefore... Are, Sorry, verse 18, for this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your wonderful love, mercy, and grace that 
was never so clearly shown except for that week 2,000 years ago when you died for our sins and paid the price for every man, woman, and child who would come to you with the invitation of whosoever will. Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, this morning as we consider the King of Israel. We consider this one that gave his life for his people, that laid down his life for our sins, that took upon him the, the stain and the sin and the stigma of mankind. Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to be thankful and ever praising you for your mighty works. Father, I pray that you'd help me. I need your help, and I pray that you'd fill me with thy Holy Spirit, and may the Spirit of God help each one of us today. There's some here today that are grieving. Lord, we've had a few families that have lost loved ones in the last week or two, and we pray, Lord, that you'd comfort them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, help them as they prepare for their home-going services and such, and we pray, Lord, that you'd receive much glory from them. And for the next few minutes, help us now to focus. May your spirit guide us, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a multitude of people, the Bible says, that had gathered to welcome the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. Their cries revealed what they thought he was. They said, blessed is the king of Israel. No doubt they were excited about what they were about to see. They felt that the Lord Jesus Christ was coming as a conquering hero. That He was coming to set Jerusalem free of Roman captivity. That finally He would set up His kingdom that had been predicted and would rule and reign with His kingdom of her, on earth. The Lord Jesus Christ up until this point did nothing to dispel those ideas. For He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is soon, it is now. And I believe that if we understand Scripture correctly, we understand that the Lord Jesus Christ was presenting Himself as King. He was establishing His kingdom. And yet He knew all along that He'd be rejected. That He'd be betrayed into the hands of sinners. That He'd be crucified on a cross. And though He could see what was going on, He knew the end from the beginning. The people of Israel did not. They only saw a conquering king. There is some hint in the scriptures that had the Jewish people just understood what was going on in the very day that they lived, that perhaps they would have known he was the Lamb of God. The Bible says in verse 12, on the next day, much people that were come to what? The feast. There was a purpose that all these people were there in Jerusalem. They were there to celebrate the feast of the Passover. The Passover was a commemorative time that remembered the Israelis' flight out of Egypt. It was on that fateful night when the tenth plague of God was unleashed upon Egypt that the people were to take a lamb, a spotless lamb, without blemish, and they were to sacrifice that lamb and then take that blood and put it upon the doorposts and the lintels of their home. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. But more than that, the blood was instructive. It showed us that we were sinners and we needed the covering of blood if we were going to survive the very judgment of God. And as God passed over that night, He looked down upon all those homes in Goshen, but He saw the blood. A token of a sacrifice that was shed to be the covering for their sins. You'll notice I didn't say the cleansing of their sins. But in those days, it was just the covering of their sins. It was John the Baptist that revealed to us, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. 
No longer would sins just be simply covered by a token sacrifice. No longer would the blood of bulls and goats have to be sacrificed by the thousand each and every year. But now the spotless Lamb of glory, Jesus Christ, would shed His blood once and for all, not just for the covering of sin, although that is important. The Bible says, blessed is the man whose sins are covered. But also to cleanse us from our sins. If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we have the promise of God today that in Christ Jesus, not only are we covered, but we are also cleansed and washed white as snow. These people had come to the feast of the Passover, but for some reason they acted like they were at the feast of the tabernacles. There are seven feasts in the Bible The seventh and the last feast is the Feast of the Tabernacle. Every one of the feasts of Israel pointed forward to something prophetically in the future of the nation of Israel and for the people of God. Of course, we've already touched on the Feast of the Passover, which pictured the blood of the Lamb being shed and being a covering for our sins. When Jesus Christ came, that passed away. Jesus Christ has commemorated to this day, and I believe it's very important that we still, we still celebrate the Passover. You say, what do you mean, preacher? We are not Jewish people. We are free from the law, but the Lord Jesus Christ sat at the Passover meal, and he took the bread, and he took the cup. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. He took of the cup, and he says, this is the New Testament blood, which is being shed. He says, this do in remembrance of me. And we are to do it in remembrance until he comes again. And so today, though we do not have the full Passover, though we do not sacrifice a lamb, for Christ has been shed once and for all, we are still to remember, as often as we do it until the return of Christ, what has already happened It is no longer prophetic looking towards the cross of Calvary, but now it is a memorial or remembrance service of what Christ has already accomplished. Each of those Old Testament feasts pointed forward to something. But the very last one pointed forward to the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. The time when Christ would set up his kingdom on earth. The time when Christ would have that final battle with Satan and overthrow him and usher in the new Jerusalem coming down that we read about in Revelation 21 and 22. But these people were mixed up. They thought we were at the Feast of Tabernacles. But they were still at the Feast of the Passover. Had they just stopped and thought for a moment, why would the Messiah be riding into town during the Passover? Had they just considered what the significance of that was, but instead they thought, no, he is coming as the King of Israel. In Psalm chapter 118, just turn there with me if you will, Psalm chapter 118, they would sing this song as they gathered and celebrated the Feast of the Tabernacles or the Feast of the Booths. Psalm chapter 118. Look at verse 25. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Do you know what the word Hosanna means? It means save us now. 
The Jewish people would sing this at the Feast of Tabernacles. They would sing over and over, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee. Send now, prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And as the Lord Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem, they broke off palms that we read about in Leviticus chapter 23 for the Feast of the Tabernacles. And they laid them at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and they sang, Hosanna, save us now. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. You see, though it was the Passover, they tried to push God's agenda forward. They tried to do away with the cross. They tried to skip ahead in history a little bit. And and can I be honest with you, who can blame them? We have found our Messiah. We have found our Christ. I'd be excited too. They were under Roman... uh, persecution and they were ruled by another king a foreign king and finally their king had come the king of Israel but it was not to be it was not yet the time and the Lord Jesus Christ would give his life had the people just simply considered for a moment maybe there would have been just one person in the crowd that would elbow another and say well wait a minute We are reading the scripture and we are singing the songs and we are laying the palms. But that's not for this feast. This is Passover. This is when a lamb is to be sacrificed. This is when blood is to be shed. This is to commemorate God covering our sins. And seeing the blood and passing over us and allowing us freedom from oppression and freedom from slavery. This is not about a kingdom. That feast is in the fall. This is but the spring. This is not about Jesus setting up his kingdom or the Messiah coming and becoming the king. Do you remember what John said? He tried to tell us this is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. I can't blame the people for a moment. I think I'd be just as excited as they. I might even be prone to shove somebody away and say, don't talk like that. This is the Messiah. We've seen him walk on water. We've seen him heal the sick and raise the dead. We've seen blind eyes see. We've seen leprosy disappear. This is the Messiah. He has given liberty to people. He loves people that nobody else cares about. This is him. Remember that woman in Samaria? Is this not he who they have promised? He's told me everything I've ever done. It's the Messiah. I can't blame them for being excited. But here's something we need to understand. As excited as we get and as as we examine the Scriptures, I know I'm like you too. I I, I turn on the news and I read my Bible and I start jumping up and down thinking, man, we're going to just go up. It's time. I look at what's going on in Israel today and I think, boy, Israel is the focal point of everything right now. Surely God must come soon. But God's timetable is not affected by our agendas. He's not affected by our desires or He just simply says, I have a plan. And we must wait on Him. But in all of this, we can see something very important today. Even though they were celebrating the wrong feast, they still rightfully proclaimed that he was the king of Israel. 
He was the king of Israel. You know, the king of Israel was a unique position in the world. It was anointed by prophet and prayer. The fact that Christ was proclaimed the king of Israel was a recognition that he came in the name of the Lord. That he was the promised Messiah. You understand that there had been no king in Israel for quite some time. Caesar was the king. Herod was the treacherous of that region. And Pilate was the ruler of Jerusalem. And, and they had their own political system, a Roman political system that had been put in place. The kings of Israel had been deposed through various captivities and times that they were forced out of their land in exile. They had no king but Caesar. The fact that the people would have the courage to lay palm boughs at the feet of the Lord and to cry out that He is the King of Israel was an act of treason against the king called Caesar. But it's said in their hearts, we know He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. I want you to notice this morning, first of all, His anointing as King. His anointing as King. And as we consider these things this morning about the King of Israel... We must stop and pause and ask ourselves, is he the king of our hearts? Is he the king of our hearts? There's a doctrine that is going around out there called lordship salvation. It says that you are not saved unless you have made him lord. Let me say this, you cannot make him lord. He is lord. Whether you choose to recognize that or not, he is lord. There's nothing we can do to change that. There's nothing I can do in my heart that can exalt him any higher than he's already been exalted by God the Father. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's nothing I can do to make him anything. I just must recognize that he is the king of my life. And I must humble and surrender myself to him. I want you to notice first his anointing as king. Turn, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 10. Keep your finger in John chapter 12 and look at 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. Brother Paul, are you, you back there? Would you mind getting me a glass of water, if you don't mind, please? He gave me a glass of water for years just to impress me. Then once I hired him, he quit. No, he just forgot this morning. Amen. First Samuel chapter 10. First Samuel chapter 10. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be a captain over his inheritance? We're talking here about Samuel, the last of the judges and first of the prophets, who was anointing King Saul the son of Kish, to be the king of Israel. You'll notice that before Saul had a public pronouncement as king, he was anointed by the prophet. See, the king of Israel is very different than any other king in the entire world. In order to be the rightful heir to the throne of Israel, you must be anointed. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 16 the story of King David, and the Bible tells the story how Jesse brought son after son before the prophet of Samuel. 
And the Bible says in verse 11, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the younger. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. But came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. The king of Israel must be anointed. He said, well, was, David, or was Jesus anointed? Turn back to Matthew chapter 12. Or John chapter 12, our text this morning. John chapter 12. Look, if you will, in verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the anointment. Typical of Jesus, he was not anointed by the prophet of God. He was not ordained by the king that preceded him, but Jesus was humble and lowly. And Mary came and anointed his feet and washed his feet with her tears and wiped them dry with her hair. The Lord Jesus Christ was anointed on the feet by a humble woman who desired to present him as king. We see not only his anointing as the king, but we see in the scriptures his presentation as king. Now let me say this, I believe this is why Jesus rode into Jerusalem the way he did. He fulfilled the scriptures that Brother McDonald read this morning from Zechariah of how he was meek and lowly and riding on the foal of an ass and he rode into Jerusalem. Jesus had often preached the kingdom of God is at hand and all the people had to do was accept him as a king, but he knew from the time he was in his public ministry that he would die for the sins of the people. But that did not change the fact that he gave them every opportunity to receive him as their king. The multitudes cried out in John chapter 12 and verse 13, Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. He didn't rebuke them for that. If he was not the king, he would have said something. As a matter of fact, look if you will in Luke, or John chapter, or Luke chapter 19. Back just a few pages. Luke chapter 19. And the scripture says in verse 39... And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these stones should hold their peace, uh, if they should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. What was it that they were crying out? They were crying out. It's the very same passage that we read in John 12. Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus says, oh no, don't rebuke them. If you rebuke them and stop them, the stones would cry out that I am king. John chapter 19, just a few pages past our chapter this morning. In John chapter 19, we see the rulers of the Jews would use this very fact to try to change the mind of Pilate. The Bible says in verse 12, and from thenceforth, from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. It was very clear to the religious leaders of that day that Jesus 
had presented himself as the king of Israel. And therefore, he was a traitor to Caesar. Christ did not deny that he presented himself for a king. For Pilate asked him in Matthew chapter 27, Art thou the king of the Jews? To which Jesus replied, Thou sayest. Jesus never denied the fact that he was the king of the Jews. That he was the king of Israel. Turn if you will, or you should already be there, John chapter 19. Look at a couple verses with me. You'll remember in verse 12 that Pilate sought to release him. I think somewhere in Pilate's heart he began to believe that this was the king of the Jews. That perhaps through the counsel of his wife who had many dreams that day and she had heard about what Christ had accomplished, maybe he thought there was something to him being the Messiah and him to be the next king of Israel. And he says in verse 14, And it was the preparation of the Passover in about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. Why would he present him as king if that was a treasonous act before Caesar? This was not a man that was trying to crucify Jesus at this point. This was a man that was seeking to release him, for he has found no fault in him. And he stands him up before the people and he says, Behold your king. What if Caesar had heard about that? Pilate would have been finished. But he bravely puts him before the people, trying to save Christ's life, I believe. And he says, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Jesus Christ was presented as the king by the people, by Pilate, by the praise of men. And if they wouldn't do it, the rocks would cry out. He was the king of Israel. I don't know what other proof you need this morning, friends, but is he the king of your heart? Have you surrendered to his leadership? Are you trusting him in all that we do? Are you letting him lead your life and guide you in the path that, that he would have for your life? Now look at verse 19. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written I wonder someday will we see Pilate in heaven you say well this wicked man could have stopped this he could have said no but I wonder did he go home that night and weep and say this really was the king of the Jews this was the king of Israel this was the Messiah for it seems to me that he tried over and over to have him released I want you to notice thoroughly this morning his rejection as king. Jesus knew full well that he would be rejected. He, so you may ask, well, why did he even bother them? Why would he present himself as the king if he knew that they would reject him and crucify him? And here's the answer, because the people must know who they were rejecting. They crucified the king of glory. The Messiah was not just a miracle worker, he was also the king. It had to be clear to all those who would hammer a nail and beat his back and put crowns upon his head of thorns 
that he was the Messiah in all respects. When Christ was at Caesarea Philippi, he said this, from that time forth began Jesus to show it to his disciples how that he must, need, or he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. In Galilee, just a few chapters after, in Matthew 17, he said this, And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. In Matthew chapter 20, again we read, And Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Look back at John chapter 12 in our text this morning. John chapter 12. We read of how the Lord Jesus Christ rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. We read of how he was proclaimed the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. But just a few verses later in John chapter 12, and in verse 31 we read, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. You see, as the Lord Jesus Christ was riding into Jerusalem, it didn't change his plan for one moment. There was a few multitudes, actually, that would cry out, this is the king of Israel. This is our king. And yet, just a few verses later, he would still say, I'm going to die. And he would pay the price for our sins. Friend, that's our king. That's our king. That's our king who would lay down his life for his people. That's the anointed one. That's the king of Israel. Well, can I give you just another snapshot this morning very quickly? You know, you go to Walmart and sometimes they have double your prince. Well, this is double your prince Sunday, amen? We see the portrait of Jesus Christ as the king of Israel, but I want you to know he's also the king of kings. Turn to Revelation with me, if you will, and we'll just read this quickly. This is just something this morning to help us realize that with all that is going on in the world, God's in control. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Revelation chapter 19, the Bible says in verse 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, not a donkey this time, Amen? A white horse. This is the Feast of the Booths. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. This is what the people were looking for. They wanted Jesus to ride in triumphantly. And here he comes on a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had the name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth, by the way, he said, why would they wear white to a war? Hey, they're not going to have to get dirty. Praise the Lord, the King of Kings is going to fight this battle. 
The Bible says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's our king. He is coming again, and he's going to rule and reign. You know, the first time Jesus came, the people just weren't quite ready. They thought, well, here he comes, and he's going to set up his kingdom, and we'll, we'll lay the palms, and we'll shout Hosanna to the king of Israel. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. But it wasn't the right time. But friends, one day he is coming. And he's going to ride a white horse, and he's going to judge the nations, and then he'll be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Have you trusted him today? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, We must understand this, friend, that the Jesus Christ that came 2,000 years ago, yes, he was the king of Israel, yes, he was the king of Jews, yes, he was the king of kings, but he was also the Lamb of God who shed his blood to pay the price for your sins that you might have eternal life. He's coming again, this time to make war with the nations, to judge this world of their sin. Are you ready? If the trumpet were to sound, were you prepared? Do you know Christ is your Savior? Is He your King? You can't make Him King. All you must do is surrender to Him today. Trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and acknowledge that God is your King. Maybe there's one here today say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. If I were to die today, I, I really don't know where I'd spend eternity, heaven or hell. I'm just not sure. Or maybe there's somebody that would say, I am sure. I, I'm not saved. I've not trusted Jesus Christ. Let's do this this morning. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you are sure you're saved, if you know that you're on your way to heaven, would you just slip up your hand this morning as a testimony that I'm saved. I've asked Christ to save me, to forgive me of my sins. Amen. Most hands are up. If you couldn't raise your hand, I thank you for your honesty this morning. Maybe you want to get that settled and get that right with the Lord today. I hope you didn't come to church just to hear the music and to listen to something that some story that was told from the Word of God, but instead you came to let it affect your heart. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He is the King. And if we're going to get right with the Father, we must come through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Would you come to Jesus today? We'll have somebody take a Bible and show you what it means to trust in Jesus Christ and have eternal life and fulfill the requirements of Scripture. For that's all that matters is what the Bible says. So let's stand to our feet this morning as we play a hymn of invitation. If God spoke to your heart and you'd like to use this altar, would you thank and praise the Lord this morning for what He has done in your life? But also today, would you examine your heart and make sure that I'm on my way to heaven? The Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means it's a very serious, serious issue that we must take care of. Do you know Jesus today? Are you saved?